on this Thursday, January 21st, 2021. 21st of the first month of 2021. How about that? He's Zach Freeze. I'm Alex Frank. This is Sports Any Way You Want It. Lot to get to today. Recap of the NFL divisional round of the playoffs. Look ahead to this Sunday's conference title games. There are two great games on Sunday, aren't they, Zach? Oh, it should be should be great. I mean, these were two matchups that you might not have been able to draw up a better two um, in the uh, in terms of just storylines and, and everything that uh, you know that that could happen. Um, so I'm excited. Yeah, these should be two great games. All right, so Zach, as we did last week with the wild card recap, I'll ask you. Again, what the biggest storyline you thought coming out of the weekend was, and then we'll get to that game first. So, Zach, in your opinion, the biggest storyline to come out of the divisional round of the NFL playoffs was? I have to say it, Alex. I'm going to go with the Chiefs-Browns game. Ooh, all right. Because it looked like the, the Browns might beat the Chiefs. I mean, we saw Mahomes go down. Um, with that injury, he's going to play. But you thought the Chiefs, for a split second there, were in trouble when Chad Henney had to come in, and then he threw that awful interception. But the Chiefs found a way, um, which <laughs> to do it with Chad Henney, I guess, is, is impressive. Henney given Sunday. Henney given Sunday. Anything is possible. And the, uh, to quote Mina Kimes, um... You know what's interesting to me, Zach? Just over a year ago, Kansas City trailed the Houston Texans 24 to nothing in the second quarter in the divisional round of the playoffs. And all the Chiefs have done since then is they came back, of course, from that deficit. They outscored the, te- they outscored the Texans 51 to 7 the rest of the way. They. They beat the Titans in the AFC Championship, and then they came back from down 10 points in the fourth quarter in Super Bowl 54. And then this year, as if last year wasn't enough, they went 14-2 in the regular season, and they are now back in the AFC Championship game for a third straight year. But you think about just the how things have changed since that since being down 24-0. Andy Reid was, yes, we knew him as one of the greatest coaches of this generation. For sure that. But there was criticism for his lack of success in the postseason. He'd only been to one Super Bowl. Took the Chiefs to the Super Bowl last year, finally won the big game, and now he's being heralded as the head coach of the next dynasty in the NFL and the most aggressive play caller in in the league. And to his credit, he is. He's always been that way. But then, you know, he was criticized for conservativeness in Philadelphia. There was, you know, being too aggressive in Kansas City, mismanagement of the clock. Mm -hmm. And now it's like he can't do anything wrong. I will will say, though, to have the balls to go for it on that play and to to throw it on that play without Mahomes to ice the game was pretty – that was – that was a ballsy call, and I respect Andy Reid for that 100%. I mean, that's a call that not many coaches, if any coach, I don't know how many coaches have the balls to go for it there, have the, 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 
the stones to be able to make like if they don't get that Alex they just set the Browns up in a pretty good position right there giving them the ball with great field position enough time like that was a a heck of a call by Andy Reid and I thought he was crazy when I saw him when I saw that they were they were doing it um, when they snapped the ball, what was your? I was like, "What? What are they doing? Like, what? What?" And then I, it was such a quick play, and they got it to Tyreek Hill. I mean, that deserve, they deserve credit. I mean, um, Andy Reid has been um, brilliant the last, you know, well for you know his whole career, but especially the last couple of years. I and mean, what he's done, the offense they run it. I saw the gifts, or there was a meme out there of like. <laughs> They had like four, I don't know what, I forget what play it was, but they had like four different guys going in motion and they didn't know, like, they, they it was like a freeze frame and like, it was, the, the caption was like, how do, how do you even know who's supposed to get the ball here? Because you had like Tyree Kill going one way, you had Daryl Williams in the backfield, you had Hardman going the other way, it was just like a nicely designed play. I think they got, I think they got like 20 yards on that play, but. Yeah, I mean, they, Andy Reid has been on another level and to do that, when I think the whole city of Kansas City was was holding their breath after Mahomes, seeing Mahomes going down, and basically, I mean, he wasn't able to, you know, he was wobbling all over the place. They didn't know if yeah. he was, you know, if he was okay. Clearly, something looked wrong, but he'll be okay. He's gonna and play. I, yeah, I think the belief is he's gonna play on Sunday. Yeah, I think I think he's, he's back at practice, so I'm pretty if, certain. He'll if play. he's practicing, he'll play on Sunday. Now, the concern there, the concern is not only you know being in concussion protocol, but he also had a left big toe injury, which I mean, that's uh, that's not a small injury. You might think you might think, oh come on, it's just a toe. No, I mean you're because think about this: if it's your left, if it's your left big toe, you're, you push off with your mm-hmm. your left or you, your that's your front foot, and that's how you that's how you step into a throw, or you you know I I shouldn't say that that that's important and it's a yeah. critical component to a quarterback so and especially for a quarterback who's as dynamic and mobile as Patrick Mahomes but you're right Zach what Andy Reid did on that fourth down conversion um to have the 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 guts and the balls to to I mean first off my question was why are you why were they going shotgun if you're just trying to draw them off sides and you know no one in their right mind Tony Romo's like, they're, they're not going to snap it here. Right. Just don't jump off sides. And the next thing you know, they snap the ball. Now, it does help when you have one of the fastest fastest players in the NFL and Tyree Kill at wide receiver because he can make it. So what he did was he made an inside step, a step towards the inside to fake out the yep. defender. And then he immediately, pivot, he immediately pivots back to the right. And that's why he was able to get so wide open and pick up the first down. But it's just, here's the thing about Andy Reid. That's why they ran that play. Andy Reid has such a belief in whoever is playing quarterback at a particular time. Think about last year, Zach. Matt Moore delivered two, really three, serviceable performances. He comes in in relief of Patrick Mahomes, doesn't have to do much against Denver. They win that game 30-9. He puts up a pretty competent performance against Green Bay. Heck, I mean, he kept Green Bay. He forced Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers to have to score on every possession. And then he delivered a win over the Vikings last year, led a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. And I would argue that was a, a critical win for the Chiefs because if they don't win that game, they're playing on wild card weekend. 
Yeah. And they ultimately were able to, to lock down the two seed at the end of the season. But think about the quarterbacks that Andy Reid has won with over the years. I mean, think about he, Andy Reid won a division title with Jeff Garcia in 2006. McNabb goes down in week 11 of that year. They win their last five regular season games, including victory, including a victory on the road at Dallas. They make the playoffs. They win a playoff game against the Giants. Yes, the Giants were in eight, but they were still a very good team. And then they played the Saints to a three-point game in New Orleans. So, excuse me. And then he won a division. He went to the playoffs twice with Michael Vick. He won a division title with Nick Foles before Nick Foles became a legend in Philadelphia. He no, I'm sorry. He did not win a division title with Nick Foles. I was thinking of uh, 2013. That was Chip Kelly. Excuse me. Um, but he won two division titles with Alex Smith. He made the playoffs three other times or two other times. Excuse me, with him at quarterback. So Andy Reid, it's, um, and as we have seen, Colin Coward brought up a great point years ago. This is a quarterback-coach league. No longer is it a head coach needs a quarterback. It's a quarterback needs a head coach. If you're playing under Andy Reid, you're going to have every opportunity to succeed because he has such a great offensive mind for the game of football. And that's why Chad Henney, you saw him take that deep shot. Yes, he was intercepted by Carl Joseph. It was a horrible throw. I mean, no, never. That was, that was bad. It never should have been thrown. But what I'm saying is, you know, you're not just going to play dink and dunk football with a backup quarterback. You're, no, you're still going to play um, a great, entertaining brand of football because Andy Reid is that kind of coach. Yeah. I mean, Andy Reid has been – you're right. I mean, you look at the list of quarterbacks. I mean, he's done it with different – you know, all different sorts of, of guys. You look at Michael Vick. You look at, like, Jeff Garcia, McNabb. Um, and then, you know, obviously Alex Smith had, I mean, they had a good run with him for a while. And um, now, I mean, you, you get a guy like Mahomes who's just so talented. I mean, one of the best talents we'll see ever. Um, and you match him with, with Andy Reid, and you give him Tyreek Hill, and you give him Travis Kelsey. Um, it is a, it's a match made in heaven, and it's, it's a dangerous, dangerous thing, and it will be for probably another decade. So. Yeah. Oh, it totally will. I mean, Andy, he's not slowing down anytime soon. He's only, what, 60, just over 60 years old. I mean, heck, Bill Belichick's in his late 60s. Pete Carroll's in his late 60s. I mean, we're seeing, you know, you can be a head coach in this league for a long time. Nick Saban's going to be 70, and he's coaching at the college level, which is, more, um, there's more on your plate as a college football head coach than I would say there is as an NFL head coach because of the recruiting that you have to do. It's a 365-day sport at the college level. In the NFL, yes, it's a 365-day job, but there you actually do get somewhat of an offseason. Yeah. So, um, but you mentioned, Zach, the position, the skill players that the Chiefs have. And we, know, of course, know who those players are, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. It, it literally is not fair, the weapons that they have. In a salary cap league, a team should not have, you know, so many talented weapons on offense that the Chiefs have. And by the way, they won this game without Clyde edwards Lair. He didn't even play. Yeah. I mean, we look at the numbers from Sunday's performance against Cleveland. Patrick Mahomes, before he went down, another day in the office for him, 21 of 30, 255 yards, and a touchdown, QB rating of 106.9. Tyreek Hill had eight receptions for 110. Travis Kelsey had eight receptions for 109 and a touchdown. Mahomes also added 
uh, 14 rushing yards on three carries and a touchdown. Uh, Darian, Darian Williams. Is it Daryl? Daryl Williams, excuse me, my bad. Uh, 13 carries, 78 yards. Why did I say Darian? Uh, You're thinking of Damian Williams? Yeah, I am thinking of Damian Williams. And a touch, and, and 13 carries, 78 yards. So, again, this, this offense, listen. And the only reason why the Browns made this game as close as they made it is because Patrick Mahomes left. And the Chiefs offense wasn't as high octane as it was as it is with Mahomes in the game. But that's the only reason why the Chiefs or the Browns got back into the game. The Browns, listen, they they didn't play a bad game. I thought they moved the ball pretty well at times. But the only reason why they had a chance is because Mahomes left the game. That's a fair point. I think another thing, though, you have to consider is that that touchback was, um, you know, that it was, was a backbreaker. That was a huge call. I mean, that was a that was a huge play, and you know, I know that um, Higgins got lit up on that play, and you know, it could have been called, you know, helmet to helmet. Um, I think, and, and many people were clamoring for that. I'm not calling that live. You're not calling that? No, I'm not calling it oh, live. Oh, Alex, you got crushed. I thought I thought it was a great defensive play. And if and if you really if you really want to, and I'll take it a step further. Rashard Higgins, he kind of lowered his body too to dive to the end zone. So you can say, well, Sorensen lowered his head to initiate contact. Yes, he did. So Higgins went low too. If you're Higgins, stay upright so then you can bounce off the hit from Sorensen and then either fall out of bounds or stretch the ball across the goal line for a touchdown. He lowered his body to try to make a play to dive to the end zone. So you can say Sorensen lowered his head to initiate contact. I will say yes, he did. Should that play be reviewable in terms of player safety? Yeah. Yes. Should it be reviewed in terms of gameplay? No. You can't keep just saying, well, we should we should review these plays. Because what are you going to do? You're eventually going to review whether or not an offensive lineman's uh, hamstring tw- uh Flinched. Are we going to get to yeah, that point? I agree with you on that. I just think when we're talking about the a play that's so big, I mean that was such a big play in that game. I think it. I mean it flipped a lot in that game. I'm not saying the Browns win if that's a touchdown, but I think they'd have a pretty decent shot if you know. But like I said, I, look, we can say that it was the wrong call. It was. I think it was the wrong call at least. Uh, but. So you're saying they should have? They should have. I think it should have been a penalty. I don't know. I, I, but you know, but you know, if Mahomes doesn't get hurt, it's a, probably a moot point. So if if fans and butts were candies and nuts, I guess we'd all have a merry Christmas. But no, well, we did have a we did have a merry Christmas this year. I would say. But but it's just like you still. I mean, you you still have some Christmas decorations. I know we up. still have our Christmas decor up. Ta- yeah. Talk to my talk to my dad about that. He. We still got the snowman collection up. We still got these Santa so, Clauses. So do you want? Do you want them still up? No. If we're being honest, no. I don't want these Christmas. It's January twenty first. If it was January tenth, I'd be like, all right, a little lazy, you know, just leaving it out. But now it's like to the point where it's kind of like obnoxious. Like I don't need these. What do I need these Christmas? We still got these Christmas trees. These still these these metal Christmas trees up. We still got the Santas out. We still got the. The next thing you know, you'll be putting them back up again. My dad just got rid of our Christmas tree yesterday, so it's like 
that was a that's a step. I think these will be gone in the next week if I had to say. But. Okay. Anyway, so Merry if ifs ands are if ifs ands and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Maybe you're right there, but I'm just gonna say that 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 play, the fumble by Rashard Higgins. Yes, it it was a huge turning point of the game because if the Browns, even if Higgins gets tackled at the one yard line, the likelihood of Cleveland scoring is very very high. At least three points. I would say, knowing how good their offense was at capitalizing on opportunities, they probably get a touchdown there. That makes it 16-10. to 10. Now, the Chiefs, they went down and got a field goal before halftime. So, they, let's say the Chiefs go down and, and get that field goal. It's still a... Um, it's 19-10, to 10, but at least you have some momentum if you're the Browns going into the locker room. Look, did the Browns... You know, the Browns did not play their best game. I'm not saying they played a bad game. I thought the Browns were competitive. They gave yeah. themselves a chance. Their defense did a really nice job in the second half. They held Kansas City to one field goal and a missed field goal after an interception, which was Baker's first interception since week 14, second only since week uh, seven here in Cincinnati. So, look, the Browns... Um, they're not they're not at Kansas City's level yet, and I'm saying that even though they lost the game by five points, and because the best head coach in the NFL right now made the gutsiest, ballsiest play call maybe in recent memory. But at the same time, they have I think a lot to be excited about in Cleveland. Now their defense needs a lot of work. Yeah, they need they need a pass rusher or at least a someone on the other someone on the opposite end of Miles Garrett to compliment him. They need tremendous help in the secondary I was gonna say, and yeah. linebacker. Denzel Ward, you know, he's very, very good. But A, he if he's there, if he's your best player, that's a problem because B, he can't stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And you need some help there. Um, Sione Takitaki has, I mean, he's got a great nose for the football. He's a turnover uh, maker, which is, uh, he causes turnovers, which is great. You know, he's opportunistic. But at the same time, you need some, you need a linebacker who can cover you know, speedy running backs, especially when you play the Ravens twice a year. You don't have to really really worry about that when you play the Steelers and the Bengals, but when you play the Ravens twice a year, who's going to be your biggest competition next year? And when you play, you know, the Browns play at Kansas City next year, they they go to L.A. So there is going to be, you know, there, there are going to be some needs for this defense. You need a linebacker who can obviously, you know, maybe blitz. You, you need some help. Miles Garrett can't do it all up front, and Denzel Ward can't do it all in the back end. But offensively, Zach, the Browns have they have a lot of talent. The Browns are really good on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, you look at Jarvis Landry had a very good year, and I was a skeptic of him, but he, I thought he was pretty solid this year. You look at a guy like um, you know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield proved to be one of the best I think the best running back tandem in the league, and their offensive line was spectacular. They and what they they went out and they spent on Conklin, and he was an All Pro caliber guy. And then they've you know they basically did it right. They they got Wyatt Teller too. They they got him kind of I think it wasn't a big trade or anything. Or they got him in a trade, but it wasn't like the biggest deal. I think it was. And yet he was one of the highest graded players per Pro Football Focus in all of the NFL. And. Then they got, uh, you know, they've they've kept around Joel Batonio for for all these years, and they've done right by him, and they've, 
you know, they've, they make sure they, they locked him up, have him locked up. So they've done it right um, with the Knicks of, you know, breeding your own guys uh, with Petonio, kind of finding maybe a guy, a diamond in the rough, maybe a guy that needed to change the scenery and Wyatt Teller and then go out and spend on, get the big fish in free agency, which is Jack Conklin. They've done it right. They've built it right. And, I mean, if they can keep those three guys healthy and, and I mean, they're going to be tough, Alex. They're going to be able to run the ball. And I'm surprised they really – I thought they would run the ball more, honestly, against Kansas City. Kansas City's been bad against the run this year. They give up like four and a half yards of carry. Well, the problem is they got behind. They got behind. So That's they, the issue. They did feel a need. Baker Mayfield didn't have a bad game. 20, no. 23 of 37 for 204 and a touchdown. He was only sacked once, QB rating of 74.6. I and and I was not. I came away from that game. I it did not change my opinion of Baker Mayfield. I think he had a really nice season. Yeah, you know he. I've grown a little bit more respect for him this year because last year it was yeah he's talented but you know he's immature. He's not a leader. He's not even as good as as some have made him made him out to be. But you look at what he was able to do this year. I think he. Finally got help with the head coach and Kevin Stefanski, who's going to be coach of the year. Yeah, he's going to win coach. Um, of the year. He he did a tremendous tremendous job with this team in his, in his first season there. He got he, so he got the head coach. He got an offensive line to protect him. He got some. He got a very very good running game. Zach, as you mentioned, maybe perhaps the best ta- running back tandem in the NFL with Hunt and Nick Chubb. So Baker's. Load was taken was significantly reduced, but at the same time he got better because of that. You know he he was able to Colin Coward calls him you know a point guard where he doesn't have to be you know the the thirty point score every night he just has to be able to distribute the ball, hand it off to Chubb or Hunt, and yeah it helps when you have a pretty decent receiving core. Uh, Jarvis Landry, Rashard Higgins who came on this year. And Kadero Hodge, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the rookie from Michigan. It will be interesting to see what they do with Odell. I do think if you had him playing on Sunday, it could have made somewhat of a difference. Because look, if, if you... The 3rd and 11, their last offensive play, Zach, if you had Odell, you can send him on a go route and at least give him a chance. Yeah. Instead, they Baker throws it... He throws like a, a little... Pass out in the flat or whatever it was to Kareem Hunt. It might have been like a miniature wheel route or something. That's not going to get it done on third and eleven. Yeah, it was. God, I feel like we haven't talked about it. I feel like Odell is kind of forgotten about. Like we haven't talked about Odell and like. Well, the Browns, feels like he got hurt like a year ago. But, it but was the Browns went. Seven. The Browns went six and three without him. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they didn't need him desperately. Um, really, seven. I think you know he's a guy that could have helped, like you said. I think. Um, you know, it's it's uh, they still. I mean, they. Fe- you're right though. I think they didn't need him because they just relied on the run so much. And when you have a guy like Chubb and you have a good offensive line, you don't have to be. You know, you don't have to ask Baker Mayfield to to do too much. And I think you're right. I think that helped Baker. I'm not like the biggest Baker Mayfield believer. I think he had a nice year. I think he was good for the most part. Um, I don't know if I'd still like love to have him as my guy for the next ten years. But I'll say this: he he definitely. I mean, he he. I think he changed what he changed my opinion in a way that like, all right, with a good 
like with a solid team that they had this year. He he didn't mess it up. Like he was he didn't melt. I don't think it was just he. You know, it didn't work out against Kansas City. He didn't play a bad game. I, I don't. It wasn't his fault they lost. Um, he they they can win with Baker Mayfield. I think that's what this proved. Like yeah, they can they can be successful with Baker Mayfield. I don't know if he's like you know the guy. I don't know if he can. They're gonna go to Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield, but. They can win games with Baker Mayfield, a quarterback. I he's think a, we know that now. He's a quarterback who, when given a lot around him, can be a very, very good quarterback. Yeah. And there are some quarterbacks who are like that. That's what we used to always say about Andy Dalton. When he had the weapons around him, when he had the offensive line in front of him, when he had a strong running game to rely on, he was a very, very good quarterback. And think about this too, Zach. When you come from a conference like the Big 12, where you're given you know, an offensive line, you're, you're, you're playing against defenses that virtually have no pass rush whatsoever, and you're given the best receivers in the country, potentially. I mean, Baker had... Think about the guys Baker Mayfield was throwing to. D.D. Westbrook, Marquise Brown. He had Rodney Anderson as his running back. Um, who else did he have? His... Um, D.D. Westbrook, uh, Marquise Westbrook. Brown, Rodney Anderson. He had Joe Mixon for a couple... Yeah, he had Joe Mixon. How could I forget about Joe Mixon? So, what, what you're seeing, Zach, Shepard. is Baker had so many weapons to throw the ball to at Oklahoma, that that's why he was a really good quarterback. So the Browns have now given him a very, very good offense to work with and a head coach who, and that's why he was so good in his senior season in particular, because he had Lincoln Riley, who's one of the brightest offensive minds in the country. I mean, look, I mean, look who Lincoln Riley has coached a quarterback, two of which won the Heisman Trophy, Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. He brings him in, leads them to, a, to the playoff. And now he's doing great things with Spencer. Spencer Rattler had a really nice first season. So Baker is a quarterback who, yes, needs a lot of help around him. But you're seeing that the Browns, think about the progress the Browns made, Zach. Think about the progress. So the Browns, they lose to the Steelers and the Ravens early in the season by 32 and 31 points, respectively. It was bad. I mean, they won four of their first six games, but their two losses, and they weren't very good. No. And the progress that they made, they they played the Ravens to a five-point game on Monday Night Football in, in a classic. And then it they was. beat the Steelers in Week 17, but you're saying, well, look at who the Steelers didn't have playing in this game. And they said, all right, we'll go on the road and beat them again in the playoffs. And they did. And then they played Kansas City, albeit with Mahomes out for much of the second half, to a five-point game. If you're a Browns fan, you have to be feeling really, really good about this team going into next season. And I think about what they did this year and what the Bengals did in 2005, Zach, because the Bengals, you know, they broke through in their, you know, their, their first two seasons when Palmer was here. Palmer didn't really play in 03. Okay, so it's Marvin Lewis in particular. They go 8-8 and 03, 8-8 04, break through with an 11-5 year in 2005, win the AFC North. They lose in the playoffs. If Palmer doesn't get hurt, maybe they beat the Steelers. I'm not sure. But the difference is the Browns, they're ahead of where the Bengals were then in 2005 going into 2006 because the Browns have already won a playoff game and they beat the Steelers. And they did it in spite of who they did not have. They didn't have Kevin Stefanski. They didn't have uh, Joe Petonio. They didn't have another offensive lineman who didn't play in that game either. I forget who that was. Um, actually, it might have only been Joe, Joe Petonio. But what I'm saying to you is the Browns, they're already ahead of where the Bengals were because they have that playoff win. They have tangible progress and you know tangible winning to build upon going into the next season. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they can. I mean, they can learn a lot from this year. I mean, they they found, um, you know, I think they found something. Obviously, with that that offensive line, um, you can build a team around. If you, I mean, if you can run the ball, I mean, that's just that's huge. Uh, but yeah, I think there's there's things they can improve on. I think the linebacker position is one thing where they they've got to get better. Um, and then, like you said, they need help for Denzel Ward because. Um, you know, he gets injured, and I just don't think their secondary was great besides Denzel Ward. So, but like you said, I mean, they, they got the monkey off their back. You're right. This was a – I don't think many people thought the Browns were going to be winning a playoff game this year. So, for them to do that kind of puts them – I think they're a little year ahead of schedule. And with the Steelers looking like they might be uh, – you know, the window might be closing there. I mean, they're, they're definitely in a good position right now. Their franchise is in a, a definite good spot, I think. That's right. All right. So we mentioned the Browns, you know, and how they made tangible progress against particularly the Ravens and the Steelers as the season progressed. Let's go to the Ravens. And they, of course, lost on Saturday night to the Buffalo Bills 17 to 3 in the divisional round. Um, it doesn't change my opinion a whole lot about the Ravens, Zach. This was a game that Buffalo won. This is the Buffalo Bills are playing some really good football right now, particularly situationally. You think? Wait, you think that the Raven? You think the the Bills won this more than the Ravens lost? Yes, the Bills won this game more than the Ravens. Well, I don't know. The Ravens had I, lots I mean, of chances. Yeah, they had lots of chances, but the Bills lots. The Bills situationally, I apologize for that, but the Bills. When they were given opportunities, they took advantage of them. They made some big time plays. Jerry Hughes had two sacks. They were great on first. They were great on first down. Their defense, and in the second half, they their defense simply took over the game. And look, did Buffalo did get outgained in? Um, they had fewer rushing yards, passing yards, total yards, time and possession, and third down. But at the same time. If you can if you can capitalize in critical situations, then you did win the game more so than the other team lost the game. I guess that's fair. I look at it as I mean the, the kicks that were missed. I know it was windy, but the kicks that the Tucker never misses. Um, they missed those. Those were missed chances, and then that pick that Lamar threw obviously was brutal. I mean that was a bad bad decision by Lamar. Um, I just got to say, you know, Lamar, as Alex is gone, um, Lamar had a tough, just a tough, um, a tough night that you can't make that decision throwing into double or whatever coverage um, in the red zone, basically in the end zone um, in that situation. I think that was, that was a difference in the game. I mean, that swing there. Well, it was, it's ten to three. Looks like they're about to tie it up, and then you get a pick six. It's like that's that swings everything, and basically it wasn't game over, but it was kind of game over. I mean, that, that made it really tough. And, um, the Ravens' offense couldn't really get going. Lamar just not his best performance, and um, Bills' defense credit to them. And I know the weather may have had a, a an effect on that uh, as well, but. Credit to the Bills. Credit to Stephon Diggs, who's been one of the couple, you know, handful of best receivers this year in the NFL. Josh Allen played pretty well too. 
Um, and it was fun. It was funny because the Bills. I mean, they didn't. They they clearly they they weren't going to run the ball. I mean, they refused to run the ball in this game. Singletary only had. I mean, they really only had nine quote, runs basically between when you're when talking about actual handing it off. So um, their game plan was to throw it. Um, John Brown played well. I, I was I was impressed with Buffalo. I think you're right in that sense. Like, I think the, the Ravens clearly missed opportunities, but I think the the Bills deserve credit defensively for how they played. And um, that defense is tough. It's it's nasty. The secondary is is really good. We talked about it last week. Um, Tre'Davious White and uh, Jordan Poyer, guys like that. Um, Don't forget about Taron Johnson, who made Micah the pick Hyde, six and Johnson. Yeah. It, it, it's just it's a very good secondary. That's the strength of the team. Isn't it Levi Mitchell had a sack on a safety on a Levi Wallace. Blitz. Le, Wallace, thank you. Why did I say um, whatever I said? Levi Wallace. Tremaine Edmonds played well. So he did. I mean, they're they're defensively they're they're tough. I mean, they are really really good. Um, funny how defensive coaches can work out in this league. It is funny how that is. Yeah. With uh, and that's one of that's one of the best coaching hires in the last five years. Sean, Sean McDermott. And what think, he's done yeah. with that organization. I mean, you think about Chris Collinsworth brought this up um, right after the game, right after the final snap of the game. He said, you think about, you know, the Bills, they they rebuilt, or excuse me, they moved up twice in the draft in, 20, in 2018 to get Josh Allen. He comes in, they invest in an offensive line to protect him, and then they invested in the receiving core, so they built their team from the inside out, which is kind of what Carolina did with um, when Sean McDermott was their defensive coordinator there. So he understood. That's kind of what Jerry Richardson, their former or their GM, or no, I'm sorry, um, Dave Gettleman. Why did I say Jerry Richardson? Their former owner. owner. Yeah, yeah uh, Dave Gettleman, their former GM. What he did. In building that team, they got strong offensive line, but kind of expanded it to the outside. Got guys like Devin Funches. You know, they still had uh, holdovers and Greg Olson, and then they um, bring in Ted Ginn, who had a good season uh, in that 2015 year when Carolina goes to the Super Bowl. Now, the Panthers' receiving core then isn't what the Bills' receiving core is now, but you're seeing Buffalo has, I mean, maybe one of the best rosters in the NFL. Josh Allen has become a top five quarterback. He has a really strong receiving core. Stephon Diggs is, might have been the best free agent acquisition in the offseason. He has back-to-back 100-yard performances in the postseason. He had a he had the only offensive touchdown in the game on Saturday. Um, you're also seeing Dawson Knox had a critical third and one catch on the opening touchdown drive of the third quarter. They have Gabriel Davis, the really talented rookie out of UCF, yep. who had a great performance against the Colts in the wild card round. Didn't have a great performance in this game in particular. Um, Gabriel Davis did not have a catch. He did. But he was targeted four times. John Brown, who how many years has he been there, Zach? I think he's been there for two years. Yeah, yeah, I think two years. Year. He was eight for 11, 62 yards. So this Bills this Bills offense was it great on Saturday? No. But again, it's a very very lethal offensive attack. Brian Dabble's done a or yeah. Dable's done a tremendous job, you know, getting this offense to where it is. 
And you talk about the secondary. I'll give you another player on the Bills' defense who has been there for years that really rose to the occasion up front on Saturday, and that is Jerry Hughes. Two sacks, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits. Buffalo won this game, and you can say, well, they were outgained in total yards. That's because the Ravens had to pick up so many yards on second or third down because the Bills' defense on first down got after it, and they forced the Ravens into tough situations. The Ravens' only scoring drive of the game, Zach, do you realize they were they had like a second and 29 on their own one-yard line? Because the Bills' defense got after it for some false starts, and the Ravens, yes, did get into scoring position. That was um, towards the end. Of, that was their that was the final drive of the first half. But yes, the Ravens did miss out on several opportunities. Do you know the play before the pick six? Marquise Brown was wide open for a touchdown. Lamar Jackson just didn't see him. Yeah. I didn't okay. Answer. So yes, there were missed opportunities. But the Bills, when they had opportunities to take advantage of, they did. They got after the Ravens on first down. They ha- they sacked Lamar Jackson. How many times did they sack him? Three times. You sack Lamar Jackson three times, you're doing something right. And they, yeah, and they, I mean, they didn't really let, Lamar never really got loose very much. I mean, he had just 34 rushing yards. When you're able to do that, I mean, he's a guy that could go off for 100 pretty much every game. Um, they did a great job, I feel like, containing him. Pretty good job against the run. I mean, didn't seem like, I mean, the Ravens just weren't in rhythm. And when you have a couple of just like heart gut wrenching misses from a guy who never misses, one of the best kickers ever, that really can take the wind out of your sails. I think that's what happened to him. I mean, if they make a couple of those field goals, you know, it might be a different story, but it would have been nine to three at the half. And those are ones that Tucker never misses. When does Tucker miss kicks from under fifty? Yeah, and maybe because you know what else Chris Collinsworth said on Saturday during the game? He mentioned that the Ravens, you know, they, they should have ran the ball in the red zone. But the Ravens never did that. Partly because they never got there, but also because they were down, so they were gonna pa- they were down by a touchdown, so they were gonna pass it. The Ravens kind of got away from who they were. Yeah. And that's happened now the last two years in the divisional round. It also happened in the wild card round in twenty eighteen. Now, but but I don't think I, I don't think I don't view the Ravens any differently than I did before the game. I mean, I don't I don't think the Ravens are like I think that I don't think they're like frauds or anything. I think I mean they I think that they got the win last. If they would have lost last week, I would have been like, okay, what is this is kind of Lamar three years in a row without a playoff win. Not that like I would say Lamar is bad, but. Um, I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think the Ravens are. Yeah, I, I don't see. I don't view them too differently, really. I think no. they ran into a really good team. Buffalo is playing really well, um, and you can't. I mean, that's, it happens. Like you run into a team. I think that the two best teams in the AFC made it this year. Clearly, I think those are the two best teams in the AFC. I don't know. What, yes, but those those are the two best teams, and and you know the Ravens had a couple things. You know, you have a couple doinks that don't go your way, and a pick six in the red zone, and and that's kind of the story, you know. But if you, you had, you, that's kind of the story. It wasn't like they got blown out, no. or it was like Bill. The Bills were way better. It was just a couple plays here and there, and, and that's what a game comes down to sometimes. And and that's what happened. And and I don't think of the Ravens are like they were bad this year because I think they were a pretty good team. I mean, they God knows they bulldozed the Bengals twice, but 
I mean, they they bulldozed the Bengals the last three times they played them. They ran into a, a a great Buffalo team that's been playing about as well as anybody. So you can't really fault them. Yeah, and I think the Ravens. This is something that Colin Coward brought up. The Ravens need some downfield threats. Yeah, Lamar can throw down the field. He just needs some receivers. You know, Marquise Brown is uberly talented. I'd love to see him have a breakout third season where he has like 80 catches for 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. But the problem is the Ravens don't have that vertical threat that you fear. You only fear their run game, Mark Andrews, and that's it. Yeah, yeah you fear their defense. But, Zach, if you if I asked you, are the Ravens going to make the playoffs next year, you would say... I would say yes. I are the, so the expanded playoffs are forever, right? So far, or it's not just this year. It's it's a permanent thing, right? Yeah, this is this isn't just a one year thing. Okay, that's what I, th- I figured. Yeah, so, I would say that I would I would pencil them in as a, a team. I feel confident that it will make the playoffs. I think th- I think maybe next year, but after that, it might get a little hairy. I think next year, yes, I think I'm, the problem is Lamar is going into his fourth season. Yeah. So you're going to have to make some decisions. Right, that's what I'm saying. You're not going to be able to have be able to pay all these players. The Ravens right now have a very talented roster. I'm not going to I'm not going to um, sugarcoat that. They have a very talented roster. And but it, yeah. if you pay Lamar and he's going to demand a little money. And it feels like they're not going to let him. And they already get got away. rid of Mark Ingram. I don't see how they let him walk away. Right? I don't think you should, but there. Uh, I mean, it there is, is something too. He's not been a very good passer. Let's just be honest. He hasn't been a great passer. And in this, yeah, but what, what's your? What do you? What? What? Are I just you think you look at the meaning by that. I, I think down the field, I don't think he's very good. Going down Correct. the field, I just don't think he's very good. I think that's an important part of today's game. Like we talk about Joe Burrow, like obviously he doesn't have the strongest arm, arm in the world. And he missed on some deep balls this year, but I feel confident Joe Burrow is going to have, uh, going to be able to throw downfield and, and consistently. I don't feel, I don't think you're confident with Lamar Jackson down the field uh, as a, as a vertical, a vertical passing att- attack. Maybe they don't need that all the way. I'm not saying they have to air it out. I just don't think, as a passer, a pure passer, I don't think Lamar is very good. I think he's okay. I think he's all right. I mean, he completes 64% of his passes this year. That's pretty good. I would argue a lot of that's probably, you know, I'd like to see maybe the yards per attempt, if, and I'll, I'll look that up right now. But in this league, and I think what you're trying to hint at here is, you can't just throw for 200 yards a game. Yeah. I mean, it was seven. Patrick Mahomes had, what, a stretch of like six or seven games in a row where he's throwing for 300 yards. That's, the, that's, the, that's now become not just a... That's become like the measuring stick. No longer is it impressive where you have, you know, six 300-yard passing games in one season. No, if you have 10 or 12, that's impressive. You should be able to throw for around 300 yards a game. Let's be honest about that. And that's why, to your point, Zach, Lamar is not... I mean, compared to what I've seen from Mahomes and compared to what I've seen from Allen... Compared to what I've seen, I mean, heck, even Baker Mayfield. And that's inter- and that's interesting. We'll have this debate throughout the offseason. Who the best quarterback is in the AFC North? Because you can make a case for Lamar, Baker, and Burrow. I would still say, 
Uh, it's a tough. It's a tough call. Lamar is certainly. I think Lamar is the best right now, but I think I'd rather have Burrow long term. If that makes I sense. Would, I, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I rather have almost Baker long term as well. Okay. Like, that's what. That's what I'm saying. There's a case for all three, but yeah, the Ravens. They should be in the playoffs next year. I mean, their their defense and their run game alone can win them at least eight games, and then Lamar can win them three more by himself. They should be a playoff team. Yeah, I agree. If I you're think, saying they're yeah. not one of the seven best teams in the AFC, think about that for a minute. Even if they just get in as the seven seed, as the seven. Yeah. Now the AFC, I think, is a is a very very strong league. It's become a stronger league. As we've seen now, teams in the AFC East come up in Buffalo and Miami, who's going to maybe be back around next year. Indianapolis, despite Phillip Rivers retiring. I think the Colts, if they even get a competent quarterback, can win 8-11 to 11 games. It's funny you say that. I think this year, more than ever, and I know it's kind of off topic, but I mean we can talk about it a little bit. Um, I think that the, this year, more than any year I can remember, I, th- I feel like more teams need a quarterback this year than most than most years, right? I think it's like a crazy amount of Well, teams. let's run through the teams that need a quarterback. Jacksonville. AFC, a- obviously, Jacksonville. The Jets, you could argue. Houston will. Houston, well, yeah, okay. Assuming Deshaun if, Watson's not coming back. Okay. Deshaun, Deshaun Watson is lifting off from Houston and landing somewhere else. I think. I think Washington... Cor- yes, maybe you have something with Taylor Heineke, although I'd still draft the quarterback. I would draft the quarterback. i draft the quarterback. Pittsburgh, you would definitely think, would be in the Even if they the don't market. take a quarterback in the first round, they better take a quarterback. Um, I think that the um, the Colts, like you said. Yes. And the, um, Col- and the Colts, they showed last year that they were willing to spend money in free agency. I saw earlier today that Andy Dalton is the, listed as the third best odds to be the starting quarterback for the Colts next year. I'd be happy for Andy Dalton if he became that. And he would be joining a very good team I with think, a chance to not only make the playoffs, but win the division. I think you could argue, these. some of these you could argue, I think New England needs a yes. quarterback. I think that Denver, Denver needs a quarterback. I think you could argue, I'm not saying they will take one in the first round, but I think you could argue the Niners. Yes. And How I about Atlanta? Atlanta, maybe. But I don't, not as much Atlanta, but possibly. They could think about it. Carolina? Maybe, but I don't think they will. New Orleans? Yeah, that's another one. Unless you want to, I'd be okay if they roll with Taysom Hill. And then I think the Bears. Right? Bears need a quarterback. Detroit, maybe. There's a lot. That's a lot. Philadelphia? Jalen Hurts, they'll give a shot. Right? My bad. Yeah. They probably but, will. Okay. They'll give him a shot. How about the Giants? I think they're still going to stick with Danny Dimes. Dallas. Even though Dak. Nah, they're going to have Dak. But right? they haven't. I mean, they haven't. Um, he, I mean, they, yeah, that's probably something to think about for them next year. They have to pay Even him, right? with his injury, you still need to pay him. They should have paid him before the injury. I agree. I think they should pay Dak. I think we Dak saw. Dak Prescott went healthy. Might be the best quarterback in that division. That's not saying much. Yeah, I, I think he is. Um, okay. So we've got about 13 minutes left on this segment. So the AFC Championship game is set for Sunday at 640 on CBS. The Bills at the Chiefs. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson. They have three sideline reporters for the game on Sunday. Three? What? 
At least I, I think Jay Feely, one Jim of them? Nance, Evan Washburn, and Jay Feely. Yes. Wait, Jim Nance is a sideline reporter. No. no. I'm sorry. Uh, Tracy Wolfson, Evan Washburn, and Jay Feely. My bad. Um, Dang. Do they need that many? Well, no. Jay Feely's Jay like the Fe- kicking guy. Yeah, He'll come the in ki- if there's he's a the kick. kicking guy. Well, game can game can come down to the kicker. It could. And then Tracy and Evan, um, the sideline reporters. Westwood One Radio, Ian Eagle, Tony Buscelli, Ross Tucker on the call there. Um, we'll get to Bills Chiefs more in depth in the when we preview this Sunday's games. Um, switching over to the NFC side, um, you know, Zach. After Sunday night, there was a rebirth of one rule I live by in life: never bet against. Tom Brady. <laughs> he right. wasn't great on Sunday. But good enough, Alex. That's always been the story with him. It doesn't always have to be great, but good enough to win the game. And that's why he's the GOAT. Yeah, it wasn't great, but I was wrong. I thought that the, the Saints were going to win. Drew Brees was pretty bad. It was um, sad to watch. Honestly. Yeah, it was. It was bad. That was a bad crumble there at the end. Um the way they've lost, the way they've lost in the playoffs the last four years, it's been heart. It's been a heartbreaking couple of years. I mean, you Saints think fans. about the heartbreak we go through as Cincinnati sports fans. Just being a Saints fan the last four years, you win 11, 13, 13, 12, and then you lose like that in the playoffs. Not ideal. Not ideal. But I think you look at this game. I mean, credit goes to Tom Brady. He did enough to win. Um, but I thought it was more so about just Drew Brees was old and it was bad. Um, I mean, the really, you look at the big offensive play they had, it was Jameis on that little trick play. Um, I know they had the other touchdown to Traquan Smith, but um, yeah, it was bad. It was it was tough, um, but credit to the Bucks. I, I thought, um, I think preseason I said that they would get to the championship game, but I didn't think they'd win it. Um, here they are. And here they are. They're in the championship game. Um, so cre- credit to Tom Brady. I mean, he's 40, 43. I was about to say 45. But, um, and he, you know, I think people lose sight of that. It's not easy playing quarterback at 43. And I think you're, you're, you're 40 or 39 even. I think you look at the quarterbacks. Phillip Rivers are just retired. And Breeze and Big Ben. Like, these guys are kind of... I mean, they're 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 struggling. I mean, they're struggling mightily. We saw it with Peyton Manning his last year. Tom Brady's forty three, and he's putting up. I mean, it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but he still had a pretty damn good season. Yeah, but yes, got a credit. But Sunday was like his first bad game, and or first like. Yeah, it was not a great in game. In terms of stats, low stack game in a while. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a very good game, but. It, but if you and also Zach, Tampa Bay's defense in the second half. On Sunday was really really good. It was. I mean, Devin White has been. I mean, he he and you watch Devin White play on Sunday. He was everywhere where he needed to be. He was. He you know whether it was you know in coverage, whether it was you know shutting down Alvin Kamara, getting after Drew Brees, whatever it was, and he just looks like a linebacker. You know, you know, a lot of linebackers nowadays, they're not as big as he is, but you see Devin White, the big shoulder pads and those, you know, thick biceps, and just he looks like, you know, a linebacker. And he played really, really well on 
Sunday. The interception that he had on Drew Brees in the fourth quarter, which I that play, if, if Brees hits Kamara on that play, I mean, here we go. We might have a fourth quarter shootout between Brady and Brees, but we didn't. And Devin White, the interception to set up Tampa Bay's final score, the touchdown, Brady quarterback sneak. That was a tremendous play. And then Mike Edwards had had an interception. Sean Murphy bunting had an interception. Tampa Bay's defense, I mean, they when they needed to be great, that's how they got themselves into the game in the first half, and that's how they closed out the game. Yeah, I mean, their defense, I think, was a little bit of a question mark. People were, were concerned, but I, I think that you have to give them credit, and I think you have to give... Devin White, like you said, I mean, how good he's been. Um, a guy that, you know, was a top five pick and a lot of expectations, and I feel like he's lived up to that so far. He's been uh, fantastic. Um, I, I, you know, the, the, their linebackers have done a really good job. I think, you know, um, Levante David's been a staple there for a long time, just kind of kind of a veteran. Um, but, you mentioned the secondary, and I think the secondary is maybe a question mark, but they had guys step up. And, and one guy, I think Antoine Winfield Jr. was a guy that I was high on coming into the year as a rookie. And, um, it helps when your father was pretty good. Exactly, and, and he's I think he's fit the bill perfectly for them. Perfect pick for them to get in the second round of this year's draft. So I, I, credit, I credit that pick. Um, from from Tampa Bay, and um, they've been doing it right. You know, they're building with that, you know, young defensive players. That's what they have. Devin White, I mentioned Winfield. Um, you know, they, they have Murphy Bunting, who made a play. He was a second-round pick last year. So, they all and they also, they still do have veterans, though. They do have guys like Levante David. They, they do have, um, you know, a guy like, I know you, no one really likes this guy, but Nandamakan Sue. You know, they have him. They have Jay. BP as well, um, who's been around and I feel like he's made a bunch of plays this year too. So got a nice blend of old and young there um, on the defensive end, and I mean they're going to need it. I mean they're going to have a, a tall order um, with with trying to to stop a man who's on fire right now in Aaron Rodgers. But then again, we saw what they did to the Packers last time. I mean that was a, a clinic they put on. They were very very good. They had a big pick six. And that first game early on that really flipped the, the script of that game. So they might need some more of that if they want to take down the Packers. But all in all, like you said, I mean, Tampa Bay's defense came to play. Tom Brady just kind of did enough. He wasn't great. Nothing really flashy. But credit to Tampa Bay. They got there. You were, you were you know, you picked Tampa Bay to win a Super Bowl or make it to the Super Bowl, I think. Did you say win the Super Bowl or Back in April, I did. Okay, win the Super Bowl. It could happen. It's possible. It's not crazy. Here they are. Um, so we'll we'll see, Alex. I think, uh, but credit to credit to Tampa. I, I was kind of a skeptic of if they'd make it that far, especially with I don't know some of the games they played there, um, kind of in the middle of that season. This season were questionable. I thought that they just looked pretty terrible. But um, here they are. Here they are, and. Um, uh, Brady Rogers, uh, kind of a Super Bowl I'd wanted for years. I'd wanted Patriots Packers for a while, but now we get a Packers Bucks uh, championship game. So 
That's the thing about this NFC Championship game. It's I mean, first off, this is Tom Brady's fourteenth fourteenth conference title game. Is that good? He has more conference title games in his career span than the Dallas Cowboys have in that same time span in the NFC. <laughs> the Cowboys haven't been in the NFC Championship game since 1997 or five. Brady is now in the NFC Championship game for the first time. So in Brady's, so the time span of Brady's career, he has more NFC Championship games than the Cowboys have. That's how great and long his career is. And you think about this, Zach. You say, oh, what more does Tom Brady have left to accomplish? Um, Another, uh, um, how about win a playoff game at Lambeau Field? That's how, that's, that's how long this journey has been for Tom Brady. He's now in a position to win a playoff game at Lambeau Field. You know, Zach, there are only four quarterbacks, four visiting quarterbacks to ever win a playoff game at Lambeau Field. Eli. Eli has won. He won twice. Um, I'm trying to think of who else did it. Was it Russell Wilson? It no. is not Russell Wilson. Probably some old timer. Um, they have all. It's all been since two thousand two. Really? Cam Newton didn't win there, did he? Cam Newton did not win there. Trying to think of the other NFC quarterbacks that would have won there. I know Jay Cutler lost there. Jay Cutler did lose there. Matty Ice. Matt Ryan is not one. You have the right team, though. Atlanta. Who was their quarterback in 2005 or whatever, or 2003? Was this any playoff game or championship game? Any playoff game. Was it Garcia or something? It was not Jeff Garcia. Was it, oh, was was it that crappy, uh, was it like Chandler, Chris Chandler? It was not Chris Chandler, but it was the quarterback after Chandler and before Ryan. Joey Harrington? Joey Harrington. Didn't he play for the Falcons? I think you no, somewhat much more household worthy than Joey Harrington. Michael Vick. Yes, yeah. Michael Vick's one, and there's two more. The other two are the other two are not that easy to think of, or not the first was it two. Within the last think like of. ten years, or? It, it was in 2004 and 2013. 2013, I should get. Um, who won a playoff game in 2013? Was it Car? Oh, no, it wasn't Carson. Um, it's not Carson. They they beat them. Got about was, two minutes left. It was in um, let's see, twenty thirteen, Arizona, but they it was, they did not, not make Arizona. it. In, San Francisco, did, Kaepernick. Kaepernick's one, and there's one more. Two thousand four. I'll give you a hint. Inferno. Culpepper. Yes. Yeah. Dante Culpepper, Michael Vick, Eli Manning, who did it twice, and Colin Kaepernick are the only four quarterbacks to ever win a playoff game at Lambeau Field as the visitor. It took me too long, but nice. Okay. And by the way, Green Bay would be the 19th different team Brady would have beat in the playoffs. But you bring up a great point, Zach, of how and I, too, have waited. I wanted to see for many, many years a Brady-Rogers Super Bowl matchup. Now we have it. Now we get it in the playoffs. It's just that it's for a conference championship and the right to go to the Super Bowl. Um, we'll get to the Packers Rams game in segment two, but yeah, final thoughts. This Tampa Bay defense on Sunday was was spectacular, forcing four turnovers. But it also hurt the Saints that Michael Thomas didn't have a single catch. That's embarrassing. How does he not get the ball? I think the Saints just never really got into as much of a rhythm as they have been in, in previous years because Thomas was hurt throughout the year, Breeze was hurt. Alvin Kamara didn't have a bad game on Sunday. He might be he might still be the best running back in the league, but the question is 
Is Breeze going to retire? Who are the Saints going to be able to keep in terms of who they're going to be able to pay to keep on the roster next year? I don't know about New Orleans. I don't know either. I think it's it's definitely... Uh, 15 seconds left, by the way. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see because they've had some heartbreak. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it could be the end of an era for Drew Brees. So. Back in segment two after this. <laughs> 